Good morning. Thank you guys for that gesture of praying around us and uh, a visual representation of what I hope is in your heart. Uh, you guys have just been so loving and kind and poured out your love to my family and I, and we cannot thank you enough for that. I am so honored and privileged to be called the pastor of this church, and I can't wait to get beside you and get in the trenches and see God do miraculous things in this community. Um, I've not been here long, but like I said, you guys have helped us unpack. You guys, many people have brought us food. You've told us where to eat. Um, I've gained some weight. <laughs> but I want to thank you guys just for just showing us love. Uh, the text for this morning is found in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 18. And it says, and Jesus came and said unto them. Now that them there is the 11 disciples. Judas had betrayed Jesus, so he's no longer there. And this is what Jesus says to them, the 11 disciples. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This morning, we're going to unpack that uh, passage of Scripture. But before we do, there's one thing that has been abundantly clear over the past few months. And that is that you have a church, as a church have had some extremely dedicated men and women that have stepped up and filled in some gaps over this past year. There's been some people that have uh, said, hey, I, I know maybe this isn't my responsibility, but I'm going to take ownership of it, and I'm going to do it because it needs to get done and because I love Clarksburg Baptist Church. Whether they be on staff or church council or a life group leader, welcome team, connection cafe, volunteer, children ministry volunteers, youth volunteers or secretaries, you have made a difference. And I just want to recognize that today. Louis Giglio says that you shouldn't confuse visibility with value. And some of you do things around here that may never get noticed by the majority, but you step up and you fill in gaps. And I want to tell you this morning, that has value. And God sees your heart when you serve him and you pour out uh, your love for him and act it out through service. And I want to tell you this morning, don't quit. Press on. See, this church has pulled up its bootstraps and pressed on even when things got hard. Over the last year, there were many opportunities for you to get discouraged, for you to get mad, and for you to quit on this church. But you didn't take them. You filled in those places. And those of you that have stepped up and taken those opportunities to serve, I think this morning you deserve a round of applause. Now that I'm here, I, would, uh, I know you would love to say, well, things are just going to be smooth sailing, right? You can just sit back and relax and just, oh, Pastor Phil's here. 
look, I'm not that awesome, okay? So, so don't do that, because if you do that and you just say, oh, he's the pastor now, I guarantee you I will fail and this church will suffer. Say, I think it's an opportunity for us even to push farther, an opportunity for us to go to the next level. I need you. And this church needs you. See, without every person in this room, I would just be a man with no sound, no music, no lights, no screens, standing alone in the dark talking to myself. Without you, we're, I, I'm nothing. I need you, and God needs you, and this church needs you. I need you to give me second chances. I need you to be patient with me. It may take me a few times to get something, right? I need you to just say, oh, okay, you know, I'm going to pray for him. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick by him. I'm going to support him. And I hope that, that visual uh, representation is what's in your heart, that you're going to be behind me. Because I will fail if you're not. This city has a great need. And we have a great mission to accomplish. This world needs the gospel. This world is hurting. You can't watch the news without understanding that this world is full of sin and hurt. Last week we even saw a manifestation of pure evil. Racism, hatred, and violence a clear indication that our culture needs Jesus. See, no matter how advanced we get in society, sin will always have its pull on us. And we will always be in need of a Savior. This world is in desperate need, and the answer is Jesus. See, every time a man chooses to depend on a bottle, what he is really seeking is Jesus Christ. Every time a woman allows herself to be used, what she's really seeking is the love of her maker. Romans 12, 2 tells us that the gospel has the power to renew our minds and transform our lives, giving us wisdom to know what to do and to help us live in purpose that our creator has instilled in us. See, the gospel has the power to change the world. Many times as Christians, we can sit back and we can shake our fist at the dark. And we say, hey, society's not the way that it used to be. But see, we have a responsibility there. The church has allowed this to happen. And that when we shake our fist at someone else and says, the hatred and the, and the, the sin that you're involved in. See, that's an opportunity for the gospel to make a big change. We have a mission. And that mission is the gospel. In order for this church to push towards that mission, we need to stand together in unity. We all must push in the same direction. So there's no time to bicker about preferences and minor things. How many times has a church been distracted by church politics and it stifled the growth of a church? Sadly, of all the arguments that I've heard in church business meetings and in church parking lots, very little of them actually had anything to do with Jesus or the gospel. See, when was the last time that instead of getting bent out of shape about schedules and styles of church, when was the last time you got bent out of shape because you weren't walking out the life and the works of Jesus Christ? There's a common joke on social media, and it, is, it shows the aftermath of someone not doing their job correctly. 
Here we have one right here. It says, you had one job. All you had to do was spell fire right, and you got it wrong. You had one job. Get the flag right or say may in the USA, one or the other. This last one's my favorite. <laughs> Hopefully that's not how school's been over the past week for you guys. But look, these people had one job. They had one thing to get right. They just had to, to spell a word right. They just had to notice that they were putting knives under a back-to-school sign. Hey, and just like they had one job, Clarksburg Baptist Church, we have one job. We see back in the beginning of Matthew chapter 28, the author Matthew gives us an account of the resurrection in the beginning. And see, I just want to make a point here that, hey, Jesus literally walked this planet 2,000 years ago. And he lived on this earth a sinless life for 33 years. He died a brutal death on the cross, and he was buried, and he rose again on the third day. And then he was seen of over 500 witnesses before joining God in heaven. But see, before Jesus ascended to heaven, he had some last words to give his disciples. He had walked by these people. He had shown them miracles. He had taught them. But there was one thing that he still needed to say. He had one last thing that he wanted to tell them. And that was this in Matthew 28, 18. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus says one last thing before I go. Go and make disciples. Church, we have one job. We can do everything else amazingly, but if we miss that, that's, then we fail. Go and make disciples. But Jesus, who are we supposed to go and make disciples of? The verse is clear. It says, go and make disciples of all nations. Every color, every culture, every context, we are to go and make disciples. So are we just supposed to get people to raise their hand or whisper a little prayer? One, two, three, pray after me. No, a disciple is more than just a raised hand. See, in order to make a disciple, you have to walk alongside of them, walking through what it means to be baptized, what it means to be part of a body of Christ, and teaching them to live out the instruction found in God's Word, including teaching them to go and make disciples. The order of discipleship is outlined in the Bible. It's salvation, baptism, being added to the church through church membership, and then teaching them to go and help someone do the same. Jesus left us with that blueprint for discipleship. He had 12 of them, and most of us, that's more than we could handle, right? And even then, Judas still betrayed him. But you come alongside of people, and you pour your life into them. That's what discipleship means. Discipleship is just apprenticeship where someone stands by you. Paul even said it this way, follow me as I follow Christ. So the question here for you today is, are you fulfilling the last thing Jesus Christ asked us to do? 
Do you have people that are following you as you follow Christ? Who can you point to that says, hey, I'm discipling this person? More mature Christians coming alongside new Christians and saying like Paul, follow me as I follow Christ. And the older generation, instead of just bickering that the newer generation isn't doing something the right way, how about you get involved in your life and you become an influential person in their life because then your instruction will mean so much more. But Jesus, we're just fishermen, right? We're just tax collectors. We're not religious scholars. I'm not a public speaker. I'm shy. Jesus says, behold, I am with you. You, always, even to the end of the age. A person that says, hey, I can't talk about my faith, really isn't understanding that it's not about you, it's about the Christ in you. Because Jesus says, I am with you. This passage is known as the Great Commission. Clarksburg Baptist Church, we've got one job. So should we be concerned with people in other countries having clean water? Yes, because providing water to people of all nations to no cost to them is a picture of the living water, Jesus Christ's free gift of redemption. And then it opens a door for people at Water Mission to speak the gospel to those people after acting out the gospel. So should we be concerned with the opioid epidemic? How is that part of the gospel? How is that part of the Great Commission? It is because it is destroying families. And we are reaching those people with the gospel. And Christ is changing their lives. And then they're going and reaching other people with the gospel. We've got a welcome team meeting coming up. Well, how does that, how does greeting people and smiling at people, learning their name, how does that fulfill the Great Commission? We're to treat people like Christ treated people to act out and to imitate Christ. Because deep down, every single person in the world, main desire is to be known. And how big of a deal is it when someone walks in that back door and you shake their hand and you learn their name? We even have, and you might know this song, it's kind of an older song, but there's a song that I love, is He Knows My Name. There's something about the God of the universe knowing me. The Bible even says that He knows the hairs on my head. And something as simple as shaking someone's hand and learning their name can make a world of difference. And when they see your smiling face, they can see the face of Jesus Christ. This is how we work out the gospel in our lives. Jesus even said, if you offer someone a glass of water in my name, I'm going to notice that. I'm going to get excited about it. And the Bible even says, you will be rewarded. To be a Christian is to imitate Christ, to act out the words and the actions of Christ in your workplace, in your marriage, in your school, as if Jesus literally was walking in your shoes. That's what it means to be a Christian. Originally, that word Christian was an insult. It was a slur. Oh, look here, here comes little Christ. But now we wear that as a badge of honor. But is that true of your life? When people see you, do they see a little representation of who Christ is? A great way to start that conversation 
is to invite someone to church. Because it's not enough just to show them your love and show them your life. The Bible says, how can they hear without a preacher? The gospel has to be spoken. But inviting someone to church is a simple way to start that conversation. We're going to have some cards in just a few weeks that it's just going to be this small, attractive uh, invitation card that you can leave on a table with a nice tip, right? On a restaurant somewhere. Don't stiff them. Don't get posted on social media. Like, Look at this Christian that left me such a terrible tip. I mean, leave a nice tip there and you say, hey, why don't you come out and check out our new pastor? He's funny looking. You should look at him. He's short. He's from Georgia. That's a simple way. I've invited tons of people. Oh, yeah, we just moved from Georgia last week. Oh, yeah, that's weird. Why'd you do that? Uh, because I'm the new pastor over here at Clarksburg Baptist Church. Boom. How easy was that? But these simple ways that we can walk the gospel out in our lives. Why is that a big deal? Because Christ loved the church and he gave himself for it. And we're supposed to emulate his example. Do you love the church and have you given of yourself for it? And it's not enough to have done something 20 years ago. The Bible never calls us into retirement as a Christian. If you're still on this earth, you're still required to fulfill the Great Commission. See, these Sunday morning uh, gatherings here are not what it's about. This is awesome, and I love this, but this is just the huddle. And we run the plays in the community. We call the plays here, and then we run them outside these doors. And this room is not where we judge whether or not we're fulfilling the Great Commission or whether we're living out the Great Commission to make disciples. We judge that by whether we've told our neighbors, whether we've told our friends, whether we've told our coworkers. See, as a church, we don't define success by just having a good financial position or define success that everyone's overwhelmingly happy with the church or whether or not we have a good name in the community, although all those things are very important. No, we define success by whether or not we are making disciples. Whether or not we're doing that defines whether or not we are doing what Jesus left us here to do. I've heard many conversations with Christians before where they say, well, the world just doesn't want what we have anymore. That's a problem. That means that there's something what we're doing that's wrong. Hey, this is, you can't go to McDonald's and, and talk to the manager and him to say, well, they just don't want our hamburgers anymore. What? That's what you're here for. And we as a church can't just say society doesn't want it anymore. That's not true. You know the gospel and you know who Jesus is. And once we tear all the other stuff away from him, we get just to Jesus. That's what it's about. We've got one job. We've got one job, and that's to make disciples. See, that word great in the Great Commission not only speaks to the quality of that responsibility, but it also speaks to the weight of it. It's not just a noble thing to do. It is a urgent, and it's of the utmost importance this commission that Jesus has given us is important and it has weight and it, we should think about it. How am I fulfilling the Great Commission? And that's the main question here. This is the big idea. How are you 
leveraging your gifts and your life to accomplish this, the greatest of missions. Maybe sharing your faith is not something that you want to do. You need to investigate that. You need to find out what's wrong because that's not natural. You have this awesome thing. There was once a, uh, I worked in, I lived in Arkansas for a little while, and I worked in a Sears Automotive, and I used to walk down to the Chick-fil-A in that mall, and there was this weird thing that they had there for a while, that if you said moo, they'd give you a free sandwich. <laughs> so that's all, you didn't even have to dress up, you just had to say moo. I'm like, moo, give me a sandwich, please. <laughs> I'm not joking. The first time I found out about that, as I was walking back from that Chick-fil-A, I was telling every, I'm not a, like a, a person that stops people in the mall, but I was telling, hey, if you go down here, you say moo, they're going to give you a free sandwich. I was telling everybody. Why? Because I was excited. Normally, I'm kind of shy out in the community, out in, in the mall area. It's kind of weird, and I'm like trying not to get stabbed or something like that, and I'm like, like, but I was telling everybody. Why? Because I was excited about it. And see, if you have that issue and that problem, yes, I understand sometimes we're naturally shy, but that's not a good excuse. Why? Because he said, behold, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. I would go around and tell something as dumb as a free chicken sandwich, but we have the answer to their sin problems, to their marriage problems, to their work problems, to their financial problems. That answer is Jesus Christ. How much more excited should we be to stop people and say, hey, have you heard about Jesus? Let me just tell you for a minute what Jesus done for me. You don't have to be a scholar. You don't have to know, uh, you know, memorize the whole entire Bible to say, hey, let me tell you what Jesus has done for me. See, each of us is born with a purpose. You have a purpose. And your purpose has always been to glorify God and to reflect your maker. And everything else is empty. And we are meant to draw people to God just like God draws us to himself. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let's stand at our feet and bow our heads. The worship team's going to come. And this time of reflection is for an opportunity to you, for you to talk to God about what he talked to you about. I just want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I want you to take a moment to say, God, what are you telling me this morning? God, what do I need to do? How do I need to change? What am I doing that I shouldn't be doing? We've got one job. And whether or not we fulfill that job means everything. Go, therefore, and make disciples. The altar's open this morning. If you've got something that you want to come down and you just want to spend some time in prayer, it's not a magic place or anything like that, but there is something about stepping out. And not being really...
conscious of the fact that there's other people in the room or anything like that. And just say, God, God, you spoke to me about this this morning and, and how can I change? 